everyone's making a hell for themselves. Their personal fear or worry is now the focus. Well, you can see, it especially with like COVID and whether that's people who are scared of COVID or people scared of the vaccine. It's like twilight for adults, for like men and the women. It's like, I'm team Edward. No, I'm team Jacob. And it's like now for the next year and a half, I'm going to be researching my team and I'm going to be attacking and, and threatening and trying to ruin the life and, and harassing the anybody else in the other team. And it's like it's literally like twilight for society. All right, everybody, what's going on? This is the Other Life Podcast. I am Justin Murphy. This week, I'm speaking with Paul Town. So some of you might know Paul from Twitter or Instagram. But what a lot of people might not know is that he's an author of many books, actually. And you know, on the Internet, there are a lot of underground indie authors, and you're never really sure who's worth you know looking into or let alone buying their books or checking them out. And I actually have to say, I think Paul Towns' books are really quite underrated. I think he's a, a pretty serious author. He's young, and he's only just starting, but he's published more than three 400-page nonfiction books that compile kind of his, his observations and ideas and experiences and I kind of think of it as stream of consciousness nonfiction in a way. He kind of cycles through different characters in a way, but it's authentic also. And there's there are some real nuggets of, of insight and wisdom. And, and it's funny. He, I, I, I'm quite interested in uh, Paul as an author since I recently got some of his books and looked into them. And yeah, some, some internet writers are overrated, like Paul Scalis, who's kind of just a empty scammer and grifter. But then there are people who actually are really writing interesting works of nonfiction and doing so creatively and with a lot of gusto. And Paul Town is, is one of the latter. So this is really interesting to get to know him better, to learn his story. He's had uh, really interesting experiences. He had a psychotic episode where he, uh, a let's just say a barn was burned down and he tells that story and he was spending time in jail and psych wards. And he's a prolific author, basically. So I wanted to meet him and learn more about his work and learn more about his life and what he's all about. So I think you'll find this quite interesting. I certainly did. And that's all for now. If you want to check out any of his works, I put some links in the show notes. Do go ahead and check it out. And like I said, you know, I, I can I can genuinely recommend it. I, I bought It Is The Secret and I spent last night reading it with a cocktail and I had a lot of fun. I, I think he's a really interesting dude and I'm going to be paying close attention to his career moving forward. So, all right, that's all for now. Let me get out of the way and we'll get on to the show. All right, Paul, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I can't complain. I've been looking forward to talking with you. We've been kind of in overlapping internet circles for a while. For people who don't know about you, you know, I would say you're a writer and a, a kind of internet personality. People in my audience might know you somewhat from either Instagram or Twitter, but I'm interested in you primarily because you're also a writer of books. I have uh, one of your books here. It is The Secret, uh, which I actually had a lot of fun reading last night. And you've actually written a whole bunch of other books. And this is not a small book. It's like a serious book. It's a 400-page book. And it's it's real writing, really uh, interesting observations. And I don't think uh, that many people necessarily know about your books or know that you're you're you know a pretty serious writer. Like you have a you have a clear project um, and a very interesting angle and an interesting story. So yeah, that's why I wanted to bring you on here uh, to talk a little bit about your work, learn a little bit little learn a little bit more about you and your life and just kind of share share with my audience uh your perspective and, and your projects so thanks for coming on i appreciate you being yeah. here yeah thank you for uh, the introduction it's very very flattering 
Yeah. So I want to, I want to talk about your, your writing style and your ideas, which are, as I, as I was telling you before we started recording, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty impressed, honestly, and, and I'll tell the audience why, but, um, let's start with giving my audience a little bit of background on you. Like what, give us a little, um, origin story. Like what's your, what's your background? Um, and, uh, how did you first get into writing on the internet? Yeah. I'm an insane person. No, um, I, uh, I've always done like creative stuff, whether that's like art or uh, programming. I used to do when I was in like high school, I used to do like flash games and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, I've, I've always enjoyed writing uh, just because it's a good, good way to express myself. And I found it's easier to it's easier to write uh, out my opinions than than especially growing up when I was younger, uh, discussing them with people because most people aren't very good at talking or listening and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, so, so my writing is basically, um, it's just, it's just a way for me to express myself really. It's not like any, um, I never like decided as a kid, I was like, Oh, I'm going to be a writer. It was more like, uh, Oh, like I have nothing to do with, I'm going to do some writing. Now. And how yeah. old are you now? I am 26. I'll be 27 soon. Right. Okay. So not a lot of 26 year olds have written a 400 page book of nonfiction. And so did you start writing? Like, when did you actually start putting pen to paper? Were you very young? You it's you must have some practice with this. Yeah, I, I think I was, I was like homeschooled. So like, so like my mom taught me writing or whatever, but she, she, uh, growing up, she did like, she went to like Catholic school. So she had the Catholic nuns giving her the you know, if, if you're familiar with that, they're very, very strict with writing and that sort of stuff. Um, so growing up, I kind of, I got a pretty strict, uh, which you, you can kind of tell in, in, in my writing and that it's, it, I, I pull back at certain points, but it's, it's not in the same, it's not like strict grammatically. It's more strict in, in the sense of it's not, um, excessive in, you know, word verbiage. Um, but yeah, no, so for writing, I've, uh, I think I've got, I went to like community college and, and that was when I really started enjoying writing because it was uh, a lot less strict. It was, wow, you know how to like uh, write a complete sentence. You're like at the top of the class now. <laughs> um, so, so then I was like, Oh, okay. I can actually write. Like it's, it's actually fun. Cause I'm not, I'm not like uh, getting the, the Catholic nun uh, hand, hand me down experience of writing. Um, but yeah, ever since, ever since uh, out of, out of high school, I've been writing on and off. Okay, out of high school. And yeah. when when did you first start building an audience on the internet? And and tell us tell us that story like how you first started getting a little cult following on the internet. Yeah, I think um it had to be back uh, before the election. It was it was probably about like 2015 or so. Um basically I I came over from 4chan actually. I wasn't a big I wasn't a big 4chan user, but I I would lurk uh, actually V, which is the video game board, which is funny because uh, I'm not like a big video game person. I, I remember I was no, lurking. You, you make fun um, of gamers a lot in the, your book. Yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, I think it's unhealthy. Um, I, but the thing is, I think it's unhealthy because I've I've done it. Um, it's not <laughs> like I'm uh, speaking, you know. Yeah. Just from like a from a mountaintop or whatever. But yeah, no, I came over from. I was actually, which is funny, but the during the, the Gamergate thing, I um, basically I saw a bunch of funny stuff, and I said, "Oh, I need to make a Twitter account because this is, this is so funny." And so I came on to Twitter, and that's when I started. I got in touch with a bunch of different people, and uh, from there, I kind of built an audience uh, organically. 
And were you also building an audience on Instagram or did that come later or what? That came later. That, that's a, that's like a later thing. I decided, Oh, it's better to branch out. And, um, especially, you know, after I had an episode and people were posting my personal information, I figured it's better to be the one posting my own personal information and okay, so uh, coming off like a normal person. So most of your followers and fans have come through Twitter, would you say? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. And what kinds of stuff were you writing on Twitter as, as opposed to the book? Like what was uh, a lot of t- Twitter was mostly like, like, you know, Twitter, like the way to get audience is like trolling and being offensive and being mean to people and being horrible, like horrible, like sociopathic, like insane person. Uh, so basically, yeah, like Twitter, uh, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it's, it's, yeah, Twitter is more like the combative, like you're getting into arguments with people and you're trolling people and you're, you're making jokes, you know, and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, so basically over during the election season, I basically, it was a, it was a bunch of journalists and just, just general commentary and that sort of stuff. I would, I would joke around and uh, talk about stuff and um, give my perspective on stuff. And, and to be like a hundred percent honest, like my perspective has changed over the years. Uh, it's been like half a decade since the election, which is funny. Um, but yeah, so, so my perspective on stuff has definitely adjusted over time as I've gotten older and that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, no, the way I built my audience is basically just saying what I thought and being honest about it and, you know, uh, being funny, like, like you, right. you read my book is like but a lot you, of it is satire and stuff. Right. you you, I would say that your style, correct me if I'm wrong, but the way I interpret your your internet persona and your your writing style is it's basically kind of like stream of consciousness, but for nonfiction in a way. It's like you you're kind of just saying whatever you think or feel, but you also let yourself cycle in and out of different personalities in a way. Like you have different like sub personalities. So you'll like start talking in the first person about some experience you've had, but it's clearly like not you. It's like some character you're playing but you're not you're not like labeling the different characters you just go in and out of them um so is that fair is that a fair like summary in a way yeah my the way i kind of express myself and write is um a lot of it is pretty much it's a mixture between stuff i do think and stuff i don't think and i try to i try to blur the lines because i want the person reading to be active reading i want them to be reading it and being like Oh, do I agree with this? Is he serious? Is he not serious? Is he is he being honest? Is he just saying the exact opposite of what he thinks right now? And that way, when they're reading, it's it's they they don't really shut off their brain. It's like an active participant uh, in the reading process. Right. So you have some bits in uh, this book. It is the secret about about social media and like getting getting a following and building an audience, which I thought was kind of interesting to see. There's there is some actually uh, kind of constructive advice in there and one of the things you say at some point is something to the effect that on the internet you can kind of say anything you want if you just say it over and over if you just say it over and over again and you don't care and you just like keep posting that you can build a a cult following like pretty pretty easily can you expand on that idea yeah well it's like that's the thing it's like with with the internet and, and that sort of thing it's no matter what you think and no matter like, whether you're like a freak or a normal person or like whatever niche you're into or hobby you're into, there's like a critical mass of people across the world who are also into that. And really, it doesn't matter what, you, what you're saying, whether you're left wing, right wing, apolitical, libertarian, anarchist, blah, 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 blah uh, communist or any. As long as you're like uh, loud and vivid enough, uh, whether it's not even that, it, can, it may not be politics, it might be like oh, I, you know, I'm interested in collecting trains. I'm interested in collecting playing cards or, or 
painting or writing or or developing and that sort of thing um it's not it really it doesn't matter what it is as long as you're vivid enough and you you send out that signal over and over and over again you're going to find people who are drawn to that and and you know it's it's kind of like it's like i don't know if you've seen that movie i am legend where he uh it's like it's like will smith i think yeah i think it's will smith and he's like a survivor in like a zombie movie and it's not movie well in the movie it's a movie but he's a, a survivor in like an, a zombie apocalypse and he goes out like to like this shipyard every day or something to like basically just send out a signal of like oh i'm alive and blah blah, blah. and and really you can do that with if you if you do that every day and you do that over and over again with anything any any topic or hobby or thing that you're genuinely interested in you're eventually going to send out a signal and it's going to be found by somebody and they're going to they're going to know other people who are into the same thing and and you'll be you'll you'll get a following uh, as long as you're you know very uh vivid I think vivid is the best word for it Okay. And you also talk in your book about getting a lot of chicks through the internet. So tell us a, more about that. Like how many chicks have you gotten yeah. through the internet? Oh, too many. How um, many? No, it, it's, that's, it's kind of kind of tongue in cheek because to be honest, I'm, uh, I'm very, um, I'm a gay man. No, um, <laughs> no, um, I, uh, I, that's never been my motivation, but it's it's been. I think it's because it's not my motivation. It's it's. I've always I've had a lot of opportunities. So um, how many chicks have you gotten through the internet? Zero. I'm a virgin. I've, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, um, I'm just curious. Give us a range. Give, give us a ballpark. Oh well. It, to be honest, I I am a virgin. I'm uh, <laughs> really saving myself for marriage. Really? Uh, not for uh, marriage, but I. I. It's once again. It's not a. Uh, that's good. You're a good Christian. Yeah. Yeah, Are, you like Are you Christian? Are you Christian? I was raised Christian, and I, I call myself like non-denominational Christian, but that's but that's more because I don't want to mess. It. Like for me, I'm a big fan of Christians, and I'm people who you know follow Christianity and are sincere about it. Like I'm a very big fan because that's how I was raised. Um, but like the leadership of different denominations and that sort of stuff, I'm not yeah. a big fan of. Um, well, it's, you're a good Christian if you're uh, saving yourself for marriage. Very good. So, yeah. uh, okay. Interesting. And so when, tell us about the story behind, well, actually let's, let's start with some background. You alluded already in this conversation to having an episode. I believe, you know, you recently had a, a major. My whole life's of, been like one big episode. Okay. Your whole life has been an episode, but I think recently you had a particularly acute episode, which I think led you to psychotic get. Psychotic episode. Yeah. I think you had a psychotic break and then you, you uh, did some things that landed you in the criminal justice system. Can you just kind of break down what happened exactly? <clears throat> Yeah, that's actually a tell. If somebody drinks, when you're asking them a question, they start drinking something. That's like they're super nervous. But I was actually going to do that before. Um, no, I uh, I back in 2018 was the actual occurrence, but um, 2017 it was like it took like it was like a year of lead up. Um, I had a psychotic break in uh, early 2018, and a an abandoned barn got burnt down. Um, but um, yeah, no, it was basically I had like a schizophrenic episode um, that lasted. It, it started very slowly. It was like a slow burn. Um, and because I wasn't familiar with schizophrenia or anything like that or psychosis at all, I didn't really know I was having it. And so I was just going crazier and crazier. And in my head, I'm like, everyone else is getting crazier and crazier. So, um, yeah, basically I ended up um, getting arrested. I get, got charged and... 
uh, pled down to something. Um, but basically, I'm on probation right now, and uh, the because it wasn't like a, it was it was a criminal thing, and it was illegal. Like it was you know dangerous or whatever. But no, nobody got hurt. It was it was not criminal in the sense of I was trying to make money or hurt somebody or it was a mental health episode. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay, and what was the aftermath like? How how have you been recovering? Are you better now? Like what's yeah. The, yeah. Um, the aftermath is basically I, I had to do I had to go to therapy, like a psychologist, make sure there's no like a uh, thing uh, continuing to go on that I'm not like torturing swan animals or, you know, something like that. Like I'm not like a insane person, like trying to hurt people. Um, and that was for like a year after that and went through all that. It was good. Uh, basically, to started taking care of my health, make sure I was eating like what I'm drinking now is like a mixture of uh, like cocoa powder, you know, go-to cola, and a bunch of other like L-tyrosin, uh, maca root, really? um, that sort of stuff, ginger powder. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. So, so like my – since terrible. then, It's basically hmm? – <laughs> Sounds like it tastes terrible. Oh, it does. Yeah. It does. One, one thing is like my, my taste buds and my, my nose don't really work too well. I don't think they ever have. And um, real so quick, I, I got we, we got to pause on that concoction you just described. I've, I've never heard that list of ingredients. So is that like a custom? Also, calamus root. Calamus root. Is so thing. this is like a yeah. custom, like nootropic you designed for yourself. Like, what is the? Yeah, this is like how is, you know I'm mentally ill. <laughs> I have a bunch of different herbs and a bunch of different but, uh, things. So are you saying that um, this is like the cocktail that you perfected that like cures your schizophrenia or what? Are, what are, yeah, what I'm is selling. It? I will be selling this without FDA <laughs> approval later. Uh, for anybody who has mental health issues, you should take stop taking your medication and buy my blend of herbs. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no uh yeah since since the um but that's that's the thing like like making sure i'm getting like vitamins nutrients and eating healthy like i kind of i've done my best i'm not perfect like everyone's gonna have unhealthy food and that sort of thing um but i've tried to make sure my diet's cleaned up like processed foods is a big thing like carbs and a bunch of other stuff uh limiting that and i was on uh antipsychotics i was on abilify for about a year like a low dose and then we slowly like um lower the dose lower the dose make sure nothing was going wrong and now i'm off that stuff um but yeah so so since then it's basically kind of been putting the pieces back together and um making sure that nothing goes wrong in the process um and it's it, it definitely gave me a uh, perspective being put in a psych ward, then going to jail. And basically now I have like a felony um, in, in the fact that, um, you know, if you're an employer, you're not going to want to hire somebody who has a mental health record. Um, so it's kind of given me a lot of uh, empathy for people who have serious issues um, because I can see, and not even that people who, you know, when they're young, they're, they're dumb, you know, selling drugs or like some, like somebody from the like inner city selling drugs or whatever in high school, they get caught and then they have it on their record or out of high school or whatever they have on their record. And from then on, they can't get a decent job. Um, it's kind of given me a lot of perspective in that sense to just the, the, the nature of selective empathy that I think people have in general where people, you know, it's on both sides, like left wing and right wing people will talk about, you know, uh, oh, we're going to do this to fix the country and oh, we're going to do this. And it's like, yeah, it's like you're going to do that. But you're things are bad right now for people like 
like I'm lucky that I have supportive family and friends. That, um, like if I didn't have that, I would my life would be over pretty much. When you um, were but, in you know. when you were in jail and the psych ward, did you write it all? No, because that was like a big thing actually. Um, the when I was taking Abilify, which is uh, a Priprazole, I think, um, which is an antipsychotic, it makes it, it basically kills kills you. It feels like it kills your soul where you can't yeah. like. Yeah, like that was a big thing for me. Like for me, I've always been, I've been less sensitive than most people, but like for me, I've always had like a great sense of humor and like found things really funny. And that's like how I process things and like I'll find the humor and stuff. Um, but when I was on Abilify, I couldn't really feel anything. I, uh, I wouldn't feel happy. I wouldn't feel sad. I remember at one point I was just like, I would literally just pour a ton of sugar into like tea just to literally even feel anything. Cause wow. I like just get enough uh, of a jolt or whatever. But um, yeah, so I couldn't really write anything cause I couldn't, I remember like, talking to people and, you know, I'd be going through the motions and like, but like, I like to joke around a lot when I talk, like, that's just like, you know, I like to make light of things. And I remember I was talking to people and I was like, in my head, I was like, I don't, I don't even know what's funny anymore. So I don't know. Like, wow. I can't even talk to people. And are you um, writing more now? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm off that. So, yeah. So, so I stopped, I couldn't really write. Um, I couldn't really do much when I was on Abilify. Um, once I got off of Billify, that's when I, I said to myself, I was like, I need to see, like, is, is my brain just shot? Like, is it just done? Mm -hmm. Am I just going to, am I destined to just, you know, be miserable and not able to do anything? So I said, I'm gonna, so I said like a, I'm going to work for, you know, 90 minutes, uh, 180 minutes a day, writing, just writing. And I'm just going to keep doing this, keep doing this and see, see how it goes and see if I can do it. Um, and uh, yeah, so then I, I kind of, got in the habit of writing and, that, and that's how i wrote i wrote like three books in a year um and that's uh that's basically the story of it. i wanted to see you know did this abilify that i just got off like ruin my mind right right so you're back at it and it has yeah. not ruined your mind okay awesome that's great um and so i mean is there a relationship do you think between your writing and your mental health um dynamics like when when you did have a psychotic break was was that oh, like at yeah. the, was that the was that like at the peak of like a writing uh, spree or something or what's anything? It, it there? wasn't. It was actually that was like a peak of like not writing or not doing creative stuff. That was like I was working doing doing different jobs and 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 like navigating the world and trying to make sense of you know my brain's going crazy. Um, but um, was that also the, from the internet? Like, was the internet making you go crazy? It wasn't. I think it was part, yeah, I think it was partly that, like the stresses of being, you know, like back during like 2015, 2016 or whatever, I got to, it got to the point where like, I don't know if you remember, but stuff was like really tense and like people were getting their lives ruined. And I watched a lot of people I knew got their, get their lives ruined and get involved in stuff that I thought was unhealthy and that sort of stuff. And being around a lot of extreme people with like extreme outcomes, um, are, are you referring that to takes like a toll. People getting canceled or like opioids or canceled. What are you also, to? it's like yeah, there were there were a lot of people who went off the deep end mentally. Um, just like it's like it was like I think like every election cycle, and you could you could even see it with this one. I think to a less degree though, like there's like mass psychosis that goes on on both sides of like people on both sides. Are like this is the end of the world if if my candidate doesn't win or you know what I mean, right? So that's actually one of the recurring themes of your book, I would say. You you kind of have this perspective where like everyone everyone in the world has some kind of serious psychosis or neurosis, but like some people are better at kind of hiding it than others. And you you basically kind of like to make fun of pretty much everyone. You you kind of make fun of 
uh, people who are unsuccessful and who complain, but you also make fun of people who are really successful. And it, so it, it's kind of interesting. Like, um, is this your theory? Like maybe you could expand on this, like that every, everyone is, has psychosis or neurosis of some kind and they're just like hiding it and bullshitting it or, or what's like, what's the Paul town like meta narrative? No, the meta narrative is like, we're all doomed and stuff's going to get really bad. Um, is that what you think? Besides that, um, besides is that what that, you think the, though? Well, hang on because there's, there's actually a lot of optimism in your book. Like one of the, one of the other recurring themes you, I would say is that you're often saying things like life is not that hard and it's actually easier than people think. And it's not that hard to just basically get by and have a decent, happy life. If you can just kind of like have the right attitude and stop complaining about things like that, you say that kind of stuff a lot. So it doesn't sound, yeah. it, it doesn't, your book, your writing doesn't come off as doom pilled as you just described it. Yeah. It's, it really depends. Like I'm of, I'm of multiple minds of this sort of thing where it's like, I can focus if I'm focusing on the mechanical, like the, the analytical aspect of things, I'm very pessimistic where I'm like, this is really bad. Um, like stuff is heading in a really bad direction. But if I'm, if I'm focused on like a personal, um, in a personal perspective, I'm thinking to myself, like, like that was a big thing when I went to jail, I looked around and I, I was like, jail's kind of like filled with losers and like a lot of these losers are thirties and their forties and their fifties. Um, and they're alive. So if they're able to be alive, you know, yeah, obviously their life sucks. They're in jail. Um, but it, it can't be that hard if, if, you know, people I consider losers and I know I was in jail too. So I wasn't, I was a loser too. Uh, I still am. But, um, the, you know, if, if these people can, if these people can, be fine and they're older than me then like obviously i'm worrying about something i shouldn't really worry about too much so personally were yeah were any of them cool oh yeah there were some cool people um there was one guy who who was like an actual arsonist like he like really enjoyed setting fires he wasn't like mentally ill well he was mentally ill but he wasn't like it wasn't because of a schizophrenic thing and he like took me aside and we were watching like the walking dead or something he's like it's like yeah man and he had like uh, i don't know if you've been around people who have like heroin problems like addiction like the heroin voice it's like the voice is like super scratchy and it's like it's like uh yeah it's like very guttural he had like the the heroin voice and he was like yeah man he was like it's so cool like when i was your age like i was in the city and i was like setting dumpsters on fire and i'm like oh that's awesome man like it's cool like that's very cool thank you for telling me this um he was cool i also i would play play ping pong with some people they were cool um so there's a black guy Mm-hmm. Is is jail like worse than people think, or not as bad as people think? The thing that sucks about jail—well, it depends on your personality. Um, for me, it was nice because it was, it was it was in a way like like wow, like I don't have to pick out my outfit. I get food delivered to me from in my cell, and I don't have to like worry about things. I can just sleep in my cot. Um, I can do that. But it was the thing that was bad about jail was the food sucked. Um, the food is really, really bad. Uh, psych long, ward food is much better than how long were you food. in? And was it prison or a county? No, or it was state jail. Or so, what? so basically, jail. Um, the way it works is jail is like holding you while you're waiting for court stuff, and also if you're getting under like a year sentence. I think I don't. It might depend on the state, but at least here in New York is like uh, if you're getting a sentence under like a year, you're going to get like jail. Um, so how long were you going, in for? I was in jail for two months while I was waiting for the court stuff to figure out. Okay, so it sounds like not that bad. You've met some cool people. Yeah. The, f- the food sucked, but it was kind of chill. 
Yeah, it was. And uh, it was also, I was just, it was literally like the the tail end of the psychotic episode. So I was still kind of like mentally out of it. Um, and I was on antipsychotics, so I was sleeping a lot. Um, I see. Yeah. And in those kinds of jails, that's not where you're like physically at risk. The, the, that's the. the uh, harder, I was put in because it was the nature of the crime was was violent. I was put in like the, the violent offenders, but it's a county jail. It's not like I'm not like on the border in a border town or in the hood or something where. It's right? Did you be feel unsafe or scared physically at all? Not really, no. But right. I, I don't really get anxious about that sort of stuff. But I wasn't really, yeah, I wasn't really too worried. I'm always, I'm pretty good in like social situations, um, so I was never too worried about that. Okay, sort of fascinating. Stuff. And so, okay, so how many before you uh, had your episode and and went to the psych ward in jail? How many books had you written uh, at that point? None, none. All the stuff I've written is oh, it's all after. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, okay. Uh, right. I I I misremembered that then. Okay. And how much? So right. how many? So since then. How many books have you written in total? Um, six, six books. That's that's awesome. So let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about these books. And I, I, my audience, I have a lot of people in my audience who are writers or you know different types, different types of thinkers, philosophers, scientists, engineers, and a, a lot of people in my kind of orbit are you know very interested in independent publishing and things of this nature. So I'd love to break this down a little bit. Uh, just on on average, like what can you say about how, how well have the books done? Like, do you know how many books you've sold like total? Do you have any estimate? Uh, I haven't really kept track. Uh, I, I've like, uh, maybe over the past few years, 10, $15,000 worth of books sold. I, I, I wouldn't, I couldn't say that exactly, but probably around that amount. Yeah, it's that's really not bad at all. At all, that's those are pretty impressive numbers. And I was looking at your, um, I think your most popular book is uh, "It Is the Secret," the one that I got, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. And it has you know 46 uh, very good reviews on Amazon. And so that's not trivial at all. Like there are people don't really realize this, but there are there are many books that get published with uh, prestigious New York publishers that that sell far fewer than you know uh, 15 thousand dollars worth of, of books really some i mean you know some books with a lot of institutional backing still can totally flop so you know you've done uh really pretty well for yourself and and so thank you yeah so i'd love to think i'd love to hear more about how how you think about your writing like are you is your plan to to really go all in on writing are you an author is that your is that are you working to make that your full-time gig is it already your full-time gig or how do you yeah. think about how do you think about like the career of an independent writer um it's hard to say. I think uh, if I was going to describe myself, uh, artist or creative is probably the best way um, to do because it's not just writing because I've done like video stuff. I've done programming. I've done uh, live streaming stuff and, and audio stuff with people. Um, and also like just to be honest, like my, my life is, is not my life is kind of like an art project in the sense that it's um, so out of the norm and I've been involved in so much stuff that's I would honestly say it doesn't really fit into the you know somebody who's going to a nine to five and somebody who's uh and that's not to say like oh it's so much cooler it's more like make like I'm wired differently so I can't like I need to be doing different stuff um not just writing um and, that, and that's one thing I wrote about in my my book actually is that um the reason I I I don't consider myself like I, I'm. A, I do writing, but I don't consider myself mainly a writer because I, I think most most people who are mainly writers are like they don't really do anything else, so that's why they're writing. Um, like like one thing I said is that the reason I was able to write these books, especially the first three, like it is a secret, and that series of books is um, 
I'm on probation. I'm so I'm, I'm kind of stuck. I can't really travel. I can't really do much. Um, I'm on good behavior because it, you know, if I'm, if I mess up, I'll go to prison. Um, so, so it's, it's kind of like, uh, I'm, de- yeah, de- definitely writing it. Writing is something that it's my main focus because I think it's the most accessible thing. Um, but like, for example, like I'm, I'm working, like I've, I've done like programming projects and that sort of stuff. Um, made different tools and games and that sort of thing. Um, like I'm working on like a project now, um, which is like a, it's, it's a kind of like, it's, it's like a game, but it's, it's, it's partly an art project in addition to being a game. So it's not, I'm not doing just writing. Um, but yeah, the, the, the writing is, uh, the main focus in that it's the most accessible thing that people can, you know, appreciate. And what's your trick for writing so much? Uh, a lot of people will find it very hard to write one 400 page book, but I think, I think you, you, I believe you told me you wrote, uh, about three, Similar yeah, three, four hundred page books, and then the, the writing like every year now I'm writing it's just a collection of essays, which is three hundred to four hundred pages, uh, in addition to novels and stuff. Um, yeah, I think you, I think you did three, four hundred page books all in 2019. So, what? Tell us about, tell us about your process and like how do you write so much? It's the, the nootropic stack, it's the <laughs> the cocoa powder and the go to cola and the calamus root and um, really a bunch of other stuff. The uh, guarana seed powder. Uh, no, uh, it's. To be honest, I've always been kind of trapped in my head, uh, even growing up. Like I would have a lot of thoughts and a lot of things, and I wouldn't really have a way to express them. And especially my first three books was was a good way of um, kind of all the the thoughts I had trapped in my head growing up, and also seeing with political stuff kind of my in my from college to like twenty three, twenty four. Um, those years of kind of being involved not in like the sense of like community organizing but being in those circles and seeing how stuff goes right and how stuff goes wrong and then trying to give advice and then seeing it being ignored um and that sort of thing uh basically like the reason i can write so much and have been able to write so much is i just have a ton of thoughts and 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 Growing, yeah, growing up, I basically had a ton of thoughts, but like you're a kid, so no one's going to pay attention to you. And if you're, you know, you speak out of turn, um, you're going to get, you know, a bad reputation, that sort of stuff. So you kind of have to keep it to yourself. Um, right. That makes well, sense. I think there are a lot of people out there who do have a lot of thoughts, but they still can't get themselves to write. Like they can't get it together. Maybe they want to write, but it's hard for them to just force themselves oh, to do yeah, it. Or yeah, yeah. I, I would say. I'm, yeah, if you have any thoughts for those people. It's, I've always had like a, whether it's not even just writing, whether it's if, if I'm drawing or when I would be doing drawing or music or, or programming, I have a very monomaniacal sort of focus, like hyper focus on stuff. So if I, if I get like keyed into something, I can do it for hours. Um, like, like that's like a big thing for me. It's like, uh, especially with programming and that sort of stuff, like I'll start programming, working on something in the morning and. I'll like skip meals and it's not because I'm like, Oh, I, sh- I need to skip this meal because I'm working on this. It's more like, Oh, I'll, you know, I'll eat in 30 minutes and then 30 minutes goes by and I'll eat in an hour. Or I'll eat, And then I look and it's, it's been like the whole day. And it's the same thing with writing. Um, a little bit less so with writing because writing is a lot more active. Like programming is more puzzle solving and you can get into like a, almost like a trance where you're like just doing logic thing after logic thing. Whereas writing is more creative. Um, but yeah, for me, I think that's my, leg up is that um if i'm focused on something and that's even like if i'm like on discord if i'm talking with people i'll if i'm getting into it i'll i'll always be like the last person in the discord call because i'm just 
I my brain doesn't like send me signals to like switch off from from whatever I'm doing, which is good. It's good, but it's also if I'm playing a video game, I can find myself playing a video game for 16 hours, you know, 18 hours without eating. Uh, if I'm doing other stuff, if I'm reading, if I'm on Twitter or if I'm, you know, just just like uh, wasting my time, I'll, I can do that. And my brain isn't going to send me a signal of like, you need to stop, like you need to go do other stuff. OK, OK. And how are you thinking about the the near future for you as as a writer, creator, artist, however you want to think of yourself? Like, do you do you build plans and and strategies in your mind or are you very much just kind of one day at a time do whatever you feel like doing cuz you definitely see you definitely do seem to kind of uh, evoke in your writings like a style of you do whatever you want all the time don't strategize that's for, <laughs> that that's for that, that that's that's for like bugman cucks uh yeah. so I, i'm curious like uh the real people paul want, town yeah, people like, want to have stability and, and well I'm, I'm just yeah i'm just curious respect, like uh yeah. the real paul town like how you think about the next few years of your life like building back up after like having these these difficulties like are you do you have a kind of longer term game plan for what you want to build or achieve uh, over time or are you really just kind of one day at a time do whatever you want yeah. be creative be creative who cares um i have like an overarching so like for me i just finished a book writing uh called rose um which i started this earlier this year and i kind of uh took most of the year to write but i took a little break because it was getting frustrating to write um but for me it's kind of like I, i'll have one or two projects uh, whether that's writing or programming or something else that i'm working on and i'll just focus on that until i'm done with that and then once once i get done with it i'll just choose something else to to do uh like one thing i found is that if i'm not working on something creative i'll just be miserable um and that's i think because there's not much materially i have in the sense of like uh i can't be like oh i'm gonna go you know on a vacation i'm gonna go uh as you know i'm not like very comfortable uh, materially so um i mean it's, it, i could be worse it could be i could be you know under a bridge so i'm not complaining about that but it's like there's for me like at that at this moment uh it's kind of like almost like a gopher where you, you know, you, you dig a hole, uh, in front of you, you push a little dirt behind you. And then once you're done with that, you're like, all right, now time to dig another hole and dig another hole, dig another hole. Um, but yeah, for, for the next few years, um, it's hard to say. I think like, I, I told you this before when we talked uh, a bit prior, um, I'm trying to figure out, like, I do have that monomaniacal focus on stuff, but I'm trying to figure out a way to balance that out with actually having relationships and friendships and like normal person stuff. Uh, because that's one thing like, I'm 26, so I'm still young, but, uh, I'd have, um, noticed. And that's, that's one, one reason I have been able to write a lot is I've kind of sacrificed uh, friendships and relationships and, um, just stuff most people take for granted. Um, and I'm not, I'm not complaining. I made the conscious choice to do that. Um, but I, I think I need to, I need to find a, a healthy balance where I'm not like so monomaniacally focused on one thing, but I might not be able to, cause I've been doing this my whole life. So it might just be the way I'm wired. I'm not sure. Well, I mean, one of the cool things about writing books is that once you write one and it goes into, you know, your catalog and people can buy it at any time, the, yeah. in, th in theory, the more books you write, the easier it should be to build a, a stable income because yeah, every, that's time, true. every yeah. time you get, a, um, every time you get, you earn a new fan, they can buy a couple books and over time. Yeah, and, so, and, and it's like word of mouth exponentially where, if yeah, it's exactly. Good, so yeah. that's what I was kind of getting at is like, are you, 
do are you pursuing a vision to um like continue to double down on your writing and like build a yeah, career yeah so you, yeah like, so i finished basically uh, yeah, I finished. I'm, I'm, yeah i'm just basically trying to get a sense of like do you think you can build a career out of writing books on the internet yeah yeah, yeah. i um I finished the so I finished the Rose, which is like a it's like a horror novel. Um, if you can get it like rose.paul.town. Um it links to Amazon. But um, I'll, put, I'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh but yeah, so like now like that's the thing. Like I so my really like the it is a secret, it is a second, it is a sequence, and then my books of essays, which are just gonna be 2020, 2021, 2022. Uh, those are like my more philosophical, uh, even though the it is a secret is very funny, it's like a lot of satire and nonsense. Um the this the two books after that are increasingly less so. Um, but those are that's those are like my main philosophical quote unquote. I mean, which is hard to say because I'm young, so you can't really uh, who knows where I'll be in 10 years. But um right now those are like my main philosophical things, but now I'm kind of doing um more creative novels stuff like john which is which is a novel rose which is a novel and then what i'm writing right now is a collection of like short stories which is kind of like halloween themed um like spooky horror slash comedy stories um and you see yeah, so my so my thing is i'm kind of branching out where now i'm kind of hitting you know this is very topical people know what they're getting when they're buying it like it is a secret like it you don't really know what you're getting when you're buying it no um, it's extremely obscure yeah, uh, which is kind of I kind of did that on purpose. I kind of yeah. want to make it broad, um, uh-huh. but um, yeah, no. So yeah, so now that I have those things done, I'm kind of working on more uh, pointed, more uh, consumer friendly stuff, um, and I think right that'll on. work. Um, because interesting, it yeah. Mm. So you alluded before to doing a a titling convention of you're just going to name it like 2021, 2022, and that book. Each book is just going to compile your essays from that year, basically. Yeah, these are my more analytical essays and stuff. Okay, that's interesting. That's interesting because you don't really do any like systematic promotion. You're, and in fact, you kind of write about this in your book about how you like just refuse to be like a corny marketer type guy, like yeah, shilling I, your stuff. Yeah, that's what, like. Uh, I remember like growing up, like uh, I remember like I was like a little kid. Somebody asked me like, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And I was I was like. I don't know, like maybe I'll go into like a cabin and write or do art until I die or something. Like it was, I've never had the idea. Like, like for me, it's always been self-expression, trying to get my thoughts out, whether that's being art or writing or music or something or programming or making a game or something, um, or even just talking with people. It's always been the the, the commercial aspect to it is a lot is uh, always secondary. Like I've never really been motivated by money. I mean. I would like to have money, um, but it's not my uh, driving thing. So I, I I just don't have the motivation for it. I'd rather be when I finish a project instead of like focusing on marketing it. Uh, I'd much rather focus on writing something new. Totally. Yeah, I feel that for sure. So do you do you have a scene of people that you roll with? I mean, I know you have friends on the Internet. You kind of have like there's a little kind of subculture that I would say you're you're a part of. It's hard to name it or describe it exactly, but I'm, I'm vaguely yeah. aware of some of the people in yeah, your... unemployed, unemployed, <laughs> mentally unhealthy people. Yeah. <laughs> is that, is that maybe I, I don't necessarily know no, people, but, um, are there, are there other writers that you are particularly close with or in dialogue with, or is this like a completely isolated affair in your own head? Or do you have any interlocutors or people you're kind of citing or reading or, um, like, uh, 
writing like in in community with at all? Not really. Uh, the people that I've I've uh, I like are more they're adjacent to the circles I'm in, but they're not doing the same thing I'm doing because I'm very like. It's like you can probably pick up on this just from reading a little bit of, of it is a secret. It's like I'm very both inwardly directed and outwardly like very particular and very like judgmental. And that's not in a bad and that's not in like a judgmental like, oh, like your clothes aren't. Well, it's like, oh, are you thinking clearly? Are you lucid? Um, do I agree with you or is your writing in a way that I like or whatever? Um, and I think my, I think the, the Catholic uh Catholic nun strategy of writing really rubbed off on me there where it's like very, very particular of like, oh, this is cool. Like this is good. Like I approve it or oh this sucks. I hate it. You need to destroy this. Um so 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 for me, I'm not very uh good with I I literally um from all the people in, in the circles, I try not to read their stuff because if I like them and I read something that like makes me think less of them, I'll just like think less of them. Um but like, yeah, there's like a, there's a few different people. It's more the stuff, the people that I'm more friends with are interested in stuff like uh, that I'm interested in, but I know I'm not good at. So I can just kind of trust them. So like um, what? So th- there's actually, there's a guy named the uh, Grim Hood, which is, um, he's, um, like a personal health guy. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's really smart. I, uh, I really respect him and he, he does, uh, like, like herbalism type of things. Um, and the reason I like him a lot is because he, he also had like schizophrenia and a bunch of other stuff like he had drug addiction problems and that sort of things. And for me, it's like having pulled myself out of like the mental health nosedive. Uh, it wasn't like the same, same deal as him, but like having mental health problems and being able to pull myself out of it. Like I kind of know like the, the people I really respect are people who've had serious problems that are like could have destroyed them. And then they managed to like pull themselves out of it. And, um, yeah, so okay, I, yeah, I mean, I'm that, seeing him on, like, on Twitter. It goes by magnesium poppy. <laughs> yeah. He's, yeah, he's really smart. Okay. And he, that's the thing. I really respect him because I know he knows what he's talking about. He's like a, okay, interesting. Sort of who, who, who else out there? Like who's uh, writing now that you fuck with? I like, um, um, writing wise. I'm not really sure, but I like, like or the, break the, rule, the break the rules people. Um, oh yeah. Lev I know those guys. And yeah. Lev and, uh, Geo and, that sort of thing. And they're really fun. Cause I, they're, I think what they do is really important where they're, they bring in these people who in their heads, they think they're like on this team of like, you know, I'm right winger, I'm left winger. I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then they put, mix them in with other people. And it's actually a productive discussion. Um, like I've been on there a few times and um, not to, not to tell people to leave your show and go watch their show. No, I've been but, on there um, too. They're cool. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, they're awesome. They're friends, um, friends of the show. Yeah. Definitely. Um, then I would say, like I like, uh, like I like Bronze Age Pervert. I like Logo. Um, and it's not particularly the right. It's more like their their character and their uh, their characters. You know, um, like Logo. I'm actually a big fan of just because he'll write stuff that like I agree with, but he'll write in a way that I just hate. It makes me like want want to disagree with him. And you know? and what about what about the canon? Are there writers, whether they be philosophers or novelists yeah. or aphorists, yeah, I like, um, that who who do you take the most inspiration from? I think my, my favorite philosopher is probably Bataille. Um, yeah, the accursed share and, and erotism is uh, those two things are really influential, especially the accursed share with regards to like economy and uh, the way excess gets dealt with that sort of thing. Um, I also so like. Hmm. Gone. Yeah, I also like like Schopenhauer a ton. Like World is Will of 
will and representation. I, I really enjoy that. And I think it's his kind of determinism sort of thinking is, you know, I don't agree with a hundred percent because I'm more hardline than he is, I think. Um, but I really do think he had, he was on to something, uh, Nietzsche or Nietzsche or however you pronounce it. Yeah. He's Nisa. good, but he's more, I think more of like a poet than the, like, uh, I, I just really like his like passion and that sort of stuff. Um, then, but then also, um, who do I, who else do I have? I like Dune. Dune's good, but that's not really philosophy. That's just, that's all right. But like, yeah. Yeah, Baudrillard. Um, I like yeah. a lot of like, uh, because I, I come from like a computer science background, I like a lot of information theory stuff, um, which is more dealing with like entropy and communication. Um, and they, the the writings I, I've read on are more technical. They're related to like resending radio waves out and there's like bits that get lost and that sort of stuff. But it applies to communication in general because, you know, you're I'm speaking, you know, paragraphs and X percentage of that is going to be lost, you know, uh, just yeah. communicating back and forth um, i'm a big fan of like uh bernays too which is with like propaganda uh yeah. ryan holiday trust me i'm lying um but yeah no i, I like uh yeah i like schopenhauer and bataille uh also like lucretius which is like on the nature of things um uh -huh. i really like that that's like poetry but it's also really good because it shows kind of like stuff that changes here affects stuff over there and it's it's very beautiful um huh. i like a lot of the stoics but i think they're kind of silly because they're their context but i think even though they're silly a lot of their their thinking is good especially if you're frustrated right okay fascinating so i i can see the schopenhauer in your work that yeah. kind of makes na that makes some natural sense to me but I'm, what did you learn from Bataille in particular? I'm curious, like how did that influence your, your own work or writing or their thoughts? Yeah, for me, it was, um, for, for the accursed share, it was the, the, the sense of the, uh, a society or an organism needs to find a way to get rid of excess energy or else it's going to destroy the, the internal attributes of it. Okay. And what does um, that mean for you in your life? For me, it means I always need to, have something i'm doing because like for me like if, I, if i'm not um like boredom is a big thing i struggle with like not being bored and if i don't have something productive i'm working on in my head i'm thinking like i need to go do something that's like dangerous or i need to go you know cause problems so i have like some sort of like stimulation um so i, I need to be working on that's another reason i always try to work on projects because if i'm not i'll get into trouble uh which is not good to get into um but uh also with with i really like with uh, erotism where bataille is talking about um taboo and, and the nature of taboo and um i have a few essays on that actually in my newer books which is uh think kind of thinking of it is in the terms of like a, it's like a kind of like a small creature that like you you can kind of you create and then you start running from and the longer you run from the bigger it gets and eventually it's going to catch up you know if it's a bad taboo um but uh that's one thing I really like with, with uh, Bataille uh, speaking on taboo, uh, which is basically that at a certain point, like a taboo gets so big that to break it is like going to fundamentally transform you. Um, and, and I've definitely noticed that with myself for, you know, standing for different things or saying different things. Like if, if you, if you let yourself compromise and if you kind of, half sell yourself or whatever or you're dishonest in order to get something in the short term the longer it goes on like the you know the more the consequences are when you kind of have to really address it 
um, unless you want, unless you end up being fundamentally changed by, you know, uh, never, never confronting the taboo. Um, so you, you told me once that the internet is like a schizophrenia simulator. Could you ex- explain that? Could you unpack that? It's, it's definitely making people, um, I, psych, I think psych, psych, psychosis simulator is a better term for it. Um, because like schizophrenia is different where it's like your brain's just like processing everything and saying, oh, this matters, this matters, this matters, everything matters. The, the billboard you just drove by matters. Um, you know, the words on it matter to you personally. Uh, that's right. But whereas yeah, the internet's more like, uh, if you have any, whatever neurosis you have or whatever fear or obsession or unhealthy, whether that's like sexual desire or personal desire or, uh, fear or, you know, hate or bigotry towards or love for, or taste for whatever you, whatever abnormality you have, you can kind of lean into in a way that really wasn't available in the past. Um, and, and so basically like, if you're left wing and you're scared of, you know, white people or, you know, Christians or uh, you, capitalists or people like Republicans or whatever, gun owners, if you're scared of that, you can easily find an unlimited amount of like material that's going to tell you, yeah, you're right. Like, this is the end of the world. These people are taking over. These people are going to go kill your family or trying to, you know, deport people or whatever. Like, you know, or they hate gay people and they're the gay, the gay people are about to lose all their rights or trans people are about to lose all their rights. Like if you're left wing and that's your thing you're worried about, not even left wing or you're just, whatever issue you're, you care about. If you're right wing and you think, oh, black people are violent or black people are going to kill me in my home or steal my steal something from me or, you know, um, Hispanics are taking over illegal immigration or, you know, the gay people are trying to, you know, have sex with my kids or something like that. Whatever your, whatever your neurosis, if you're right wing, um, you're going to be like uh, able to find an unlimited amount of material, just like the left wing person. And they're going to, you know, it's going to tell you, yeah, you're hundred percent right. You need to fight against this. You need to subscribe to this podcast. You need to, you know, donate to this candidate. You need to spend all your time. You can't have friends. You can't be a normal person. You can't have hobbies. You can't, you know, go out on a barbecue with X, Y, Z type of person because this person's an enemy. And it really, no matter what it is, whether left wing, right wing, apolitical, uh, religious, anti-religious or whatever, spiritual, anti-spiritual or anything really team, even sports wise or whatever, like, it's really just, it's like everyone's making a hell for themselves of like uh, their personal fear or worry is now the focus and there's an unlimited amount of information that they can find and just, well, you can see, especially with like COVID and um, whether that's people who are scared of COVID being very dangerous or people scared of the vaccine being very dangerous. And it's, it's like, the normal healthy thing to say is oh, I'm getting the vaccine. I'm not getting the vaccine or yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this. And then moving on with your life. Whereas it's become for the last year and a half, it's I'm on team. It's like twilight for adults, for like men and the women. It's like, I'm team Edward. No, I'm team, whatever the other Jacob. And it's like now for the next year and a half, I'm going to be researching my team and I'm going to be attacking and, and threatening and trying to ruin the life and, and harassing the anybody else in the other team. And it's like it's like literally like it's like twilight for society. And uh, so you have experience yeah. with psychosis. So are you saying that basically from your memory of what it's like to have a psychotic break that 
it, it's kind there there are like observable parallels between like internet culture and what you experienced having yeah, a psychotic break. Yeah, I would say mo- yeah, most people are in like the early stages of it's like it's called like in the terms of schizophrenia, it's a prodromal schizophrenia. It's like there it's like a, it's like the the pre stages of psychosis where it's like there's like the obsession, there's like the unhealthy like focus on this to the exclusion of things that are healthy and the just complete like loss of, like they've people have lost any empathy for other people and you saw like you saw the first hints of this during like the 2016 election with uh like pro trump people were it's insane and you know, I, you know I was insanely mean to people but like pro trump people and so were anti trump people they were insanely mean to, to to trump people and you saw hints of it, it kind of died down a bit but with corona and that sort of stuff it's like you look at like everybody's locked in, whether it's left wing or right wing or right, pro right. vax or anti vax, and it's not getting better. It's not. There's no end in sight, really. Um, Were you a Trump supporter? Yeah, uh, I was. Yeah. I was. Um, I have like I actually have like the white Trump hat, which is worth like a few hundred bucks now. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. But I was in the sense it was more of a middle finger to everybody. I kind of disdain and hate more than uh, yeah this yeah totally i i think that's a lot of people yeah there's a interesting quote from your book that i just wanted to pull out because i think my audience might like it i I want you to expand on it this is from it is the secret um in a section called an implicit society what you say that in order to stay ahead of the game instead of losing it people must learn to play into the new advantages that that an implicit society has that an explicit society does not. And then you say, there is almost no way to ever be permanently punished if you know how to convert shame or mistakes into social capital. Words are more powerful than ever. Almost nobody seems capable of dealing with a blend of the explicit and the implicit. So I wonder if you could unpack that a little bit. I think it's really, I, I, I think it's a really interesting idea. And I think I, I think I get where you're going with it, but I think my audience would like to hear more about how you know, there's almost no way to ever be permanently punished if you know how to convert shame and mistakes into social capital. Yeah, I would say that the addendum, addendum, I would add to that now with a few years experiences, if you get like on a blacklist for, by the government, you can't fly <laughs> or your bank gets shut down or you're like a terrorist now, that's where your punishment is uh, real. Um, but besides that, yeah, no, I would say like most people are reactive uh, in the sense they're they're thinking, but they're they're more reacting to cues. So, like for example, with with my situation, um, if I had like disappeared after my psychotic episode, I would be known as like, oh, that he went crazy, and then he burned down a building, and he's just insane. He's an insane person, and look at this freak. Like just what a, what a freak. Everything everything I would have done, everything my reputation, and you know that if I disappeared after that, it would have been like wow, like he's guilty of something horrible. Um, but because I basically treated it as, oh, this is a mental health thing. I, you know, I'm not going to hide from, I'm not lying about it. I'm not like when people bring it up, I'm not going to be like, I can't talk. I don't want to talk about that. Um, because I reacted to it in a way where it was like, yeah, this is like a dumb thing. And it was me mentally ill. And it's, you know, it's not something I'm proud of. It's something that it's like the lowest point of my life. Um, because I reacted to it in a, in a way that kind of humanized me, uh, it made it so all of a sudden, you know, the people who are, have genuine intentions and the people who are not just malicious are, which is, you know, there are some malicious people, but the majority of people are not malicious. And 
um, because you know it wasn't something that I was doing to hurt somebody or that sort of thing. I was mentally ill and I had a mental episode. Um, so basically, so what you're was, saying is that you can you can do any, you can do almost anything, including like go crazy and burn down a barn. Yeah. But if you handle it, if you just roll with yeah, it, but if you, if you, if you act like, if you like act like it's not the end of the world and you act like, like I could have, you know, just say hypothetical, and this isn't the case, but like, just say I was malicious and like burned down an orphanage or something with kids in it or something. Um, and then I, I came on and I was like, Oh yeah. Like that was the old me. Like I learned my lesson. Like, it, you know, it's, you know, obviously everyone makes mistakes, blah, blah, blah. Just like acted like it was like, Oh uh, yeah, I jaywalked. Like it was like that. If I acted like that, like long enough, people would eventually you can you can see it with like OJ Simpson or whatever. Like, right? If, if you if you just act like it's not a big deal, it doesn't really matter. Um, and you you it, it basically just converts to like attention and capital. Yeah, it's also um, like Trump, right? He's an example of that. As oh yeah, well. Trump is a perfect example. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like basically like like the. I remember when the audio came out of him, like grab him by the, by the, you know what, you know, I don't want to be <laughs> yeah. too crass. And, uh, any other person, they'd be like, all right, I'm dropping out. I'm sorry. That was inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. But because he did, it literally worked in his favor where people are like, Oh, this is cool. Like, Oh, this, he's so cool. Like, you know, it's a, which is like, first off, I don't know. It's still kind of stupid to say like, whatever. Um, but it's like, it's, it's, yeah. Like, yeah, like there's no, everything is so constant and there's so much information constantly being fed and news cycles 24 seven and that sort of thing where it's like, there's very few things as long as you're not put in prison or like on a terrorist list and deplatformed from everything. Um, there's very few things that actually matter. And in, in, as long as you can like not feel bad about it, um, which is a big thing for a lot of people, I'm a lot less sensitive. Like I think a lot of people like they, they'd have their, you know, for me, like, that moment like we're not crazy and I have my mugshot and I, you know, I haven't slept in a while and I look bad and, and that's it, kind of shameful uh, in the sense where it's like, Oh, like, look at you, like you went crazy and you got arrested or whatever. Like for most people that would be so shameful and so upsetting and embarrassing that they wouldn't even want to be around or deal with it. But because like I'm less sensitive and I, I push through it and like, it doesn't really matter at this point. It's, it's annoying because it's like, I've heard the same thing over and over again, but it's, it, but it's, it's not something that's like, to me, it's like, I kind of look at that now and I look at it and I'm like, like, wow, like, look, a few years ago, like my life was like, I was like mentally out of, out of my mind. And now I'm doing well. I have stuff to show for it. And it's kind of like, it's proof. It's like a positive thing to me. It's like, look where I've, I've come from. I kind of recovered from something really, really bad. And totally. I'm proud of yeah. that, you know? No, I like that a lot. It makes a lot of sense. Next question. Why do hardcore drug addict girlfriends make the best wives? Oh, that's, yeah, you found that. That essay is funny. Um, well, it's like, if you think about like HBD, like, uh, like the people who are, you know, like we're, I'm assuming most of your listeners not, they're not coming from like, uh, you know, they're not like aristocrats. Maybe they are, maybe they're like, you know, this Hunter Biden's listening to this, you know? So if you're Hunter Biden, you're the drug addict, so you don't need to listen to this. Um, but if you're like, just the average person or whatever, your options are not, you know, unless you're like rich or you're, you know a mentally unhinged author like me, you're not going to have many great options. Um, so what you want to do is you want to, it's almost like going to, you know, if you're on Amazon, you go to the refurbished section and you get something that's kind of like open box. So it's a discount price, you know, you might not be able to afford it if it's not open box, but if it's open box, uh, you can, you can afford it. Um, like a, a very expensive electronics, but with the girlfriend or whatever, you know, 
you want somebody who is like the DNA to where if they have a kid with you, like your kid's going to be smart. They're going to be good looking. They're going to be talented or whatever. Um, so what you, if you find somebody who's like really, really high IQ, like a lot of people, there are like two types of drug addicts. So the, the drug addicts are just kind of like trash and they're just doing drugs because they're a loser. And then there are also drug addicts who are like, they can't cope with reality because they're like, they're too smart. And they're like, they're, they're like, like obsessive and like they're, you know, they don't have like a positive outlet. They haven't really found one. So they're like, I'm just going to like kill my brain. So I don't have to think too much. Um, and you want to find that second type, you know, that girl that's, she's like a savant, you know, she's like a genius, but like she could never found like a place to really, you know, put that energy. So she's like, I'm just going to get high, you know, I'm going to right. So basically, you're, basically you're saying you can use a girl's drug addiction as a way to get a really, really high quality genes, but yeah, for cheap, a real fixer. basically like well, it's, it's you're, like you're, you're, you're saying basically, look, you want, you want a girl, you want to find a girl who's like from like a really well-to-do high IQ, rich family in like Nantucket or something like that. But she's the black sheep who like got yeah. addicted to heroin when she's a teenager. Yeah. So she, her genes are really, really good, but you can get her for, for cheap on the market. Cause she's got yeah. fucked up drug problems. Yeah, it's like a fixer upper on like a, in like a <laughs> neighborhood, like a house that kind of dilapidated you can fix it up okay. and make it beautiful. Okay. I like it. Here's another one. So, um, people like Jordan Peterson and Jocko Willink will tell you that you always have to make your bed in the morning. It's very important. And this is good for your life. It's good for your character. Um, here on page 146, you say, don't make your bed. You have a whole essay against making your bed. Uh, why you think it's, it's a psyop. You say, don't make your bed. Don't dress nicely. Don't drive a nice car. Don't be nice to other people or learn how to use big words. Don't be prompt or on time. Don't ever go above and beyond what is functional to do so is to reveal your hand and remove yourself from the realm of the mystic, the realm of the genius, the savant, a, a master chooses not to clean his room. A slave mm-hmm. obeys the tenets of order. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tap. I'm tapping into some chaotic, uh, some, some dark chaotic forces in there. Um, and so why is it that a bed that isn't made signifies status and power? Well, it's, it's like, you know, especially if you're, if you're like me, you're living with your family still, you know, um, <laughs> you are, it's, it's like you're showing them you're not controlled. You know, you're showing, you're showing the, the authority figures that, you know, it's very punk, you know, it's like the, it's like, no mom, no dad, my room's messy and it's never going to be clean until you kick me out until you ruin if you're man enough to ruin my life and kick me out then you can get the room clean but until that point my room is going to be a trash you know and it's it's it shows your will you know one of the things i like about your writing is that you you're able to kind of combine like real humility and 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 modesty and you know you refer to your own you know failures in life and your challenges in life and you refer to as you just did like living with your parents and you know, you're very honest and forthright about the ways in which, you know, uh, you could do better maybe. And, yeah. but you're also very confident and you, you regularly refer to yourself as, you know, very handsome, very smart, uh, very Thank powerful you. and mm-hmm. high status. And you get, all, you get a lot of chicks and, you know, this you have a true. powerful, it's all yeah. True. yeah. So th- this is to me, one of the most fun kind of parts of reading you. And one of the most interesting aspects that you're, you're very confident and you, you're not shy about saying, you know, what you think is very powerful about, about yourself, but you're also very direct about, you know, being for being transparent about the aspects of your life, which are maybe not so impressive. So how do you do that? Like how, how do you maintain 
the swagger and the bravado of being super confident and, you know, being, being really, um, yeah, just, uh, uh, confident in your own powers and your future success that you believe in, but also, you know, be, be transparent about like the parts of your life, which are kind of fucked up and which you, you know, you're, you haven't really done a great job with so far. How do you, how do you maintain like that, that ego and that bravado, um, while also being honest about the, the stuff that's fucked up in your life? Yeah, I think, um, the best way to put it would be, uh, we live in a fucked up world. (laughs) Okay. We live in a very fucked up world and, uh, it's important to, Everything good in your life, for me, everything good in my life, I take credit for. And I say, this is because I am a hard worker, smart, and clever. I'm not wise, but I'm very clever. And I'm very hard. I'm a hard worker and dedicated and handsome and charming and humble. And then everything bad in my life, everything that's gone wrong, I say, this is the fault of my parents. This is the fault of society. This is the fault of strangers. Who are messing, fucking around with my life? These are the fault of evil spirits. They're in, they're in the house and they're messing with me. They're making me can't. They're making it so I can't find my wallet when I want to go out to eat. That sort of thing. Um, it's basically being able to split the good things and say that's you, and then all the bad things in life is somebody else's fault. But 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 the, something that's very admirable about you that's unique is you the the stuff that you blame on the world you don't let that make you resentful. And I think that's really, really key, right? Cause a lot mm-hmm. of people blame the world for all their problems. And then they just like go on Twitter and they're like angry, resentful, uh, whining babies. who are just like complaining about how the world has ruined their life, but you don't do that. You, you don't do that at all. And then you're very against that kind of attitude. So how do you, how yeah. do you blame the world for your problems without falling into the trap of resentment? Yeah, I think, um, I definitely struggle with that in in the sense where it's like the, if I'm not busy doing something and I get thinking like oh why do other people have nice stuff that I don't have or why do other people have the reputation they have while I don't have the reputation I can get resentful and I can get um bitter um and that sort of thing and so it's very important for me to stay busy um it's a what's that saying the idle hands are the devil's play thing um it's kind of that with, 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 for me, it's like, I have that. That's why staying busy is very important for me. Um, because, you know, a, a big thing about masculinity and being like a man and being like a real man, um, as not like I'm alpha, I work out, which is good. It's good to work out and that sort of, stuff, but not the, Oh, I have tons of sex in clubs with drunk girls, you know, um, not, not that's like real masculinity is, you can, it's okay to identify a problem and it's okay to um, say this is messed up or this is a problem or this isn't fair, this isn't right. But if you if that's what you're all you're doing, if all you're doing is saying like, well, it's not fair, it's not right, and then you just whine about it, that's not being a man, that's being like a child. Um, if you're going to – one thing I've always tried to do, and I'm not perfect at it, but I always try to keep in mind is if I'm going to whine about something, and I do whine about stuff, if I'm going to complain about something, uh, if I'm going to get upset about something – it's only I should only do that if that's the precursor to actually doing something to try to fix it. Um, because for me, I think being a man and being an adult, um, the proper thing to do is either try to fix something that you identify as a problem, or suck it up and deal with it and and be like, all right, this sucks, but I can't do anything about it, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna invest energy into thinking about it. Um, and it's, it's, it's a constant process for me. It's something, um, 
that I, I need to at times like I need to really center myself and realize that hey I am drifting in a direction of being resentful I'm drifting in a in a, in a direction of being bitter about stuff and you know it's uh especially as i get older the longer i do this you know the more temptation i have to be bitter or, or resentful um that sort of thing but yeah it's, it's just always being trying to be self-aware um about that sort of thing and and when i identify it try to stop it you know right on man right on well dude like i said i i was really honestly i'm pretty impressed by your book i never you know i pay a lot of attention to random weird stuff on the internet and i'm always poking around and I'll, I'll take a look at lots of different things, but I, I usually don't expect much. I, I expect things to just be, you know, scams or grifts and just, yeah. you know, a lot of people, a lot of people will put almost anything between two covers and sell it on Amazon. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Paul Scalas. For I was instance. actually going to say, uh, <laughs> a lot of people don't know is Paul Scalas actually go, ghost wrote all of my books. No, <laughs> I doubt I that. paid him. Yeah. I paid him. I doubt that. Books. Have you read his books? I've looked at them. Yeah, I wrote. Yeah, I wrote enough like, one to write like a really bad Goodreads review. One. They're like fake. They're like fake books. It's like yeah. screenshots of tweets. Which I kind of, at a certain point, it's like I kind of admire. Like, well, you managed to get a New York Times article written about you. Like that's yeah. impressive. So it, if Paul, I, I'll say right here and now, if if Paul Scalis is probably the most overrated indie writer on the internet, I think maybe Paul Town might be the the most underrated. Author, indie author on the internet because I really have to, I really have to say I, I enjoyed reading it more than I expected I would. And, and there's more insight per page than I think people would expect. It's, it's, it's a very unique style. You, you really do have authentic messages and a unique personal story and background that mm. really infuses your, your writing with, with, with authenticity and, and, and real, a real kind of weight to it. And it's funny. It's funny. It's interesting. It's weird. And there's, re there's real insights, uh, hidden all throughout here. And, uh, you know, at, at 400 pages, it's, it's a, it's a real nice, it's a real nice, uh, piece of work. So I'm, I'm glad I, yeah, piece I'm very of work. glad I paid, that's a I'm very glad I paid 20 my, bucks for this. Books and, and me too. Piece of work. Yeah. What's that? Piece of work is a good way to describe me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, and you're, you're very ambiguous and mysterious. So I think there's probably a fair number of people who out there, out there who maybe they know of you through Twitter. Maybe they like looked at your Amazon page or whatever. And they were like, mm -hmm. they, they just weren't sure if it's going to be good, if there's anything actually there, if they should drop 20 bucks. And I would say for anyone listening, uh, this is, you know, if you, if you like books and especially if you like interesting independent people on the internet, uh, this is well worth your 20 bucks. I'm very yeah. glad that I it's got like if, it. If you I, like, uh, into the mouth of madness, uh, in book form. Well, I enjoyed reading it, and uh, yeah, I think you're an underrated author, and well, I, I, I'm rooting for you. I'd love to see. It's you, no, I hope you keep it's writing. no base, it's no base to love, but it's close. Uh, no, I mean, base to love is nothing really to write home about. It's really just my first independent book that I wanted to do real fast, and just to do the process and see how it went. Um, so, I mean, it's it's definitely not the most impressive work at all uh, by any, no, by any means. Teasing. But I'm teasing. Um, no, but, I mean, I'm, uh, I was happy with it. I, I think it's a cool little book. Yeah, but, no, it's um, awesome. It's uh, yeah, and, and like that's the thing is like you know the it's like you get like 80 90 percent of the way through and then you're thinking to yourself like should i publish this should i not publish this what are people gonna think you know that sort of thing yeah why not i mean so, a book is not that different than a blog post really with yeah, amazon and like the, the new digital publishing environment it's like you don't, you don't have to overthink it like if you can write a book that's like 100 pages or more and it fits into a book and it looks good and feels good as a book there's no reason not to publish it even it doesn't have to be like the most amazing thing ever i mean something that i th i like i really appreciate about your work paul is that 
you don't care too much about spelling and grammar and you're just honest about, (laughs) you're just honest about that. And I think, well, first of all, your spelling and grammar is not that bad at at all, but um, Mm -hmm. it's just basically, this is what a book looks like if it doesn't have a professional editor, like cleaning everything up, you know, you're just honest about that. And honestly, I mean, in the internet age, like, I mean, when you're just starting out, when you're a young guy like you and you don't have capital to like spend on an editor, I don't think there's anything wrong with publishing books, uh, your, you know, your first, your first set of books without an editor. I mean, if you don't have access to an editor, if you don't have the capital to pay an editor, then whatever your first books might have some uh, spelling and, and grammar errors. Who cares? Like it was still very readable. Um, I, 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 I didn't really mind at all. It doesn't, you know, you're good enough as a writer, your spelling and grammar is good enough that it was more than more than perfectly fine to just read, um, fairly smoothly, even if there are some errors there, but this is something I think people overrate. People think like, Oh my God, I can't publish a book unless I can you know, make sure that every single word is, is exactly perfect. Like, no, mm-hmm. there can be a few errors. It's not the end of the world. Like if you have something to say and it's a good book and interesting in its own right for other reasons, then, you know, your audience will deal with a few typos and then you just publish a bunch of books, get big, build an audience, make money. And then you can start hiring an editor and your later yep. books can be better. And you can even pay an editor to go over and edit your old books and clean them up and release a second edition or whatever. So I yeah, like your attitude true. of, I like your DIY attitude of like, I'm just going to write my heart out. I'm going to keep publishing a ton and who cares for the spelling and grammar mistakes. I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep publishing. So yeah, man, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of you. you. I'm a fan of your work. I'm I really want to see you keep, Thank you very much. I, wanna, I really want to see you keep publishing books. And, um, you know, I think you have a really good shot at, you know, being able to like make a career for yourself because, because you have a real message and you have a unique style and you definitely have the discipline to, to execute. So I hope you keep it up. And if there's ever anything I could do to help, or if you want to come back on the show or if we could help in any way, definitely, yeah, definitely, thank you. definitely let it's, us know. Uh, yeah, no, it's, um, it's nice to get, uh, it's nice to be able to talk about stuff. And, uh, I think I'm, I'm getting to the age where, you know, I'm still obviously young, very young. Um, but it's nice that I'm getting to the age where I can actually have a, a long form discussion and people are going to actually listen because like it, when you're like 23, 24, nobody's, nobody really is going to pay attention or, uh, actually listen, you know, cause you're, oh, you're just a dumb kid or whatever. And I'm still a dumb kid cause I'm 27. And that's what I tell myself, you know, I'm a dumb kid. So it's okay to be immature. Um, yeah, but well. yeah, but, it, but it's like, as I, as I get a little bit older, it's nice to, I'm getting to the age where I can, people aren't going to offhandedly dismiss my opinions or, or any discussion because of my, my young age. You know what I mean? Well, you know what's cool about your style of of nonfiction writing is that you don't have to be a professional philosopher. You don't have to necessarily be like amazingly perfectly correct about everything. You, people will read you in large part because of your own story, your own aesthetic, your style, your weird angles and your taste. And so it's like that that's a certain kind of it's a certain kind of literary uh, memoiristic kind of creative nonfiction type of, of genre that is a really cool spot to be in because you don't necessarily have to spend the rest of your life trying to become like a real philosopher or something. You don't have to be like reading like, like Kant's third critique, uh, or something yeah. like that <laughs> yeah. to, you know, like yeah, that's luckily, like, that's yeah. not the game you're ever going to play. I don't think yeah. like you just have interesting perspectives and if you can just keep basically deepening your perspective and improving it and polishing it and just keep publishing it, um, but keeping it imbued with like your interesting stories and your your un- very unique kind of personal angles, like people will like people will continue to read it and follow it and buy your books 
just because they want that that Paul Town angle on the world because they find it edifying or inspiring or funny or whatever. And that's a really cool kind of nonfiction niche to be in because you don't have to because you were just referring to yourself about, you know, like you're being young and dumb and stuff like that. But like you don't really have to try to be super smart or super sophisticated. You just have to keep being yourself and keep polishing that and refining that and making that like a a, an ever greater work of art. And that's like what people are going to, you know, continue to read you for. And I I really applaud you for that. It's it's not an easy thing to 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 cultivate. It's not an easy thing to achieve. And you've already published a bunch of books and you're off to a great start. So I'm I'm uh, yeah, we're a fan and we'd like to, you know, support you however we can, man. Awesome. This is, this is awesome. This is a good amount of support already. Uh, thank you very much. Right on Paul. Well, thanks for, uh, you know, finding the time to hang out with us today. I'm sure my audience will find this really interesting. I'll put links uh, to your books in the show notes for the, for the, if you're listening to this on the podcast feed, or if you're watching it on YouTube, uh, we'll put links in the show notes so you can find out more about Paul's works. And like I said, uh, when you look at them on Amazon, it's very mysterious and ambiguous. You're not going to necessarily know what you're getting, but I, I, I really have to stress that I was pleasantly surprised by what I found. So um, it's yeah. worth the 20 bucks for yeah, sure. And uh, uh, always remember anything I say or do in the future, Justin Murphy 100% endorses and he <laughs> encourages me to say. I don't know about that. If I, if I, <laughs> it, I, I don't know about that, but uh, I, 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 def- I definitely liked I liked the book and I, I support your work and I want to I see you uh, keep it up and I hope my audience will, um, you know, order, order. Would you say, is this the best book of yours like to start with, would you say? Yeah, I would say if you're, if you're interested in like a, it's like a, almost like a bathroom reader of sorts where it's not like, not very narrative driven. Um, but if you're interested in like fiction or um, more cl- classical writing, uh, my latest thing, Rose, Rose.Paul.Town is a, uh, I would say my my best. I actually actually did go over and edit that um, before I published it because I wanted to make it very uh, traditionally uh, accessible. Nice and soon soon hopefully you'll you'll be making enough money from your book so you can hire an editor and and uh, you won't even have to do that yourself. Yeah, I can hire somebody to clean my room for me. <laughs> All right, Paul. Thanks again for coming on, man. This was fun. Uh, it was really cool getting to know you and learn about learn more about your story. And uh, yeah, man, it's good good to connect. Yeah, this is awesome. Thank you for having me. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. You made it all the way to the very end, so you must really like the show. In that case, I would be super grateful if you'd be so kind to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. All you have to do is go to otherlife.co slash review. That's otherlife.co forward slash review. And it'll send you an Apple Podcasts. Just leave a review. You can be honest. Tell me what you really think. I'd really appreciate it because it'll help other people find the show and I'm really trying to grow out the podcast. So thanks for listening and thank you for leaving a review. I really appreciate it.